Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Welcome back to another episode of Discover More. And in this episode, we are continuing our conversation about three big whys and three clarifying questions that helped us to our career transition. And in this episode, we talk a little bit more in depth about that decision making, but also about the work from home nature and the different modalities prompted due to the COVID 19 situation. Please enjoy and thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. For this week's episode, we have decided to do something different and stray away from our normal production of book reviews or doing interviews with different guests because of the given circumstances and the condition of quarantine. However, we did want to catch up and get back to our roots of having conversations with the idea that we are going to be very intentional about the topics. Especially, we believe that during this unprecedented period with COVID 19 and the quarantine situation, Many of us and a lot of our friends have gone through career transitions, whether they're being furloughed or being laid off due to the circumstances of the businesses. Aiden and myself are among definitely the few privileged and grateful collectives that we were able to have interview opportunities during the quarantine and we were able to give them the opportunities to accept an offer. And that's the reason why we thought it will be notable to talk about our career transitions and the reason why we did what we did. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So, when I think about it in past tense, when I start to reflect on why I chose to leave my current job or my previous job and transition into a new career, for me, it really comes down to three big questions that I was kind of asking along the way. And I thought that we could each reflect on these three questions, and hopefully, that would deliver some insight as to what our process looked like that might help other people. With their job transition down the line, whether that's in a week from now or in a year from now. The first question being, why am I leaving my existing company? The second, what is my criteria and why? And the third question, why am I accepting this new position? So I found these questions remarkably insightful and really allowed me to get clear on. What I was looking for in a new job and ultimately find a job that I'm remarkably excited for and happy with. 
So from there, I'd like to turn it over to Ben. What initially made you think that you wanted to leave your job? What was that initial compelling reason or was it more of a process? Just kind of walk me and the listeners through your decision to transition out of your initial job into a new career field. Yeah, great question, Aiden. And before that, I'd like to address the importance of asking questions and especially with the intention and the purpose of this episode. Of course, it is on a more casual catch-up. That's the foundation of what we're doing for this week. But more importantly, we have talked about this in the past where good questions leads to good answers. And I think that it is very important to have certain level of clarity into our lives. So I just wanted to address that before going to the questions. So why am I leaving? As I have shared in the past that I have extremely enjoyed my current position or my previous position at the nonprofit CMAC. And I actually have given myself and my previous boss and my previous company that I've had a predicted or estimated timeline of departure and transitioning out career-wise. Because initially when I came on board, I knew that the certain level of skill sets I'll be acquiring and the certain level of growth through my position will be capped or limited after about two year mark. With my values, I am not as much interested in the vertical incline or the vertical movements as of now because I'm still relatively young. I'll be turning 27 on July 7th, so a couple months from now. My greatest criteria and my greatest motivation for a position was growth. And it's that growth mindset has motivated and prompted us to start this passion project as a podcast, of course. So for me, that being able to grow and the ability and the opportunity to grow and to learn new things and to acquire new skill sets is on the top hierarchy or what we talked about as God value among what I'm looking for professionally. So that has came to a plateau point, which motivated me to transition career-wise to a new position. Fortunately, I think my ability to articulate well, I was able to given the opportunity to interview with uh, numerous companies during this quarantine and I was able to have the opportunity to ultimately accept, which we can talk more in depth later. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Ben. Before I dive into my story of why I was leaving my job, uh, we would like to note in case the viewers are picking up on any sound of sirens and or helicopters, uh, those have been going constantly for the last 10 minutes. We're guessing related to some sort of protests somewhere in Philly uh, relating to the George Floyd injustices and while we don't want to dive into that too far because of our lack of exposure to the topic we do want to note to our audiences that we stand by the cause and acknowledge the tremendous injustices of this incident so moving on i'd like to talk a little bit about my process of deciding to leave because in all honesty I was tremendously happy and content at my previous job. Uh, There was no real reason to leave. It was a great opportunity where I had the flexibility to start this passion project of Discover More while also feeling very comfortable in my responsibilities at work. But really the feeling kind of came as an intuitive nudge that there was something more challenging out there or that there were more fulfilling jobs that could be out there. So at the very least, I figured it was worthwhile to start looking. So the process that really caused me to 
leave was something known as a belief audit. And this kind of relates to our second question of what are my criteria and why. I kind of by accident developed my criteria and used those criteria as a judgment system for my existing job. And I really would recommend people trying this out, not only because it allows you to see what's working or what's not working, but it allows you to get clarity on yourself and your current situation. So specifically, this one was done towards career, but you can do this for any area of your life, whether that's social relationships, self, your health, just really examining and honing in on the beliefs that make up your perspective around that specific area. So for me, my career, the four things that were important to me were connections, autonomy, a just cause, and creativity. And I basically went through my job responsibilities, culture, and overall environment and checked the box of what the connections, autonomy, just cause, and creativity, or what the opportunity to fulfill those things were when it came to my job. And After taking a hard look, I kind of realized that the job I was working for, a health insurance company for low-income families, was certainly checking the just cause mark. I realized that I wasn't finding the connections that I was hoping to. Because I only had one of four out of my specific belief audit, I realized it was probably time for a change. And that definitely comes into the criteria and why kind of re-examine those throughout the process. So whether you're actually looking to leave a job, to start a new job, or really just to get clarity over where you are, we really would encourage you to try a brief belief audit, even if it's one, two, three beliefs for each component of your life. It's ultimately that clarity that will allow you to move forward effectively. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I personally haven't deployed any sort of a belief system or a judgment system However, I do want to note and highlight the importance for both of our approaches. Although there are nuances and there are differences in our approaches because with the intention that we wanted to seek opportunities that are in alignment with our intention. And my intention was to departure after about two years since the beginning. And my intention wasn't to climb up the corporate ladder aimlessly. And my intention was not just get a bigger paycheck or get a salary raise but rather my intention was to keep growing and seek opportunities that are in align with my inherent growth mindset. On the same note, Aiden's intention was to seek opportunities that are going to bring fulfillment to him in all four aspects of his belief system and judgment system. So we would like to encourage the listeners and the people to do some self-evaluation and to see what your current existing job or opportunity is it in a line and is it compatible with what you prioritize, whether that's your belief system, judgment system, or in my case, my intention since the beginning? And what you said there really reminds me of a saying of not every mountain is worth the climb. And that was personally something that I really ran into in my big four experience. It's the idea that even if you get ahead and a promotion and just grow and grow in a specific industry or in a specific field, you really need to make sure that it's the right one because you end up 10 or 20 years down the road on top of a mountain. But if it's not the right mountain to start, you could call it a waste of time. And I know that healthcare is something that's important to me and my belief system and that I would like to help improve the healthcare system in this country. 
So really taking a fine look at what mountain you're climbing, what ladder you're moving up, we think is very important. So whether it's in Ben's case of knowing that he wanted to find growth in his job or myself knowing that I wanted to have autonomy and creativity, it's really taking a hard look about what your criteria are, what's important to you, and seeing how that fits currently and if that could be improved elsewhere. Absolutely. And of course, we are not saying that we're the experts in career seeking or career readiness industry, but I think whether you as a listener deploy our three questions of why, or you develop your own questions, and in our cases, these three questions are going to help us continuously seek that clarity that we're looking for in terms of our career. We also would like to note that clarity comes in many forms. While we do recommend taking these questions and using this uh, why approach to certain beliefs, I want to come back to a quote that I read in a book by Brendan Burchard this week, and he writes that clarity is the child of careful thought and mindful experimentation. So it really can take on both forms of careful thought and journaling about something and reflecting about how and why you might think those specific things, but then mindful experimentation. And that really comes back to what we talked about with two in one of our interviews of, he says that often the experience is the greatest teacher, really, no matter how much you study a book or read about a certain topic, it comes down to experimenting and see what works and actually learning through the experience. And for me, that was important because on paper and while journaling, I thought that I was going to love my first career in audit and public accounting. It was seeing different clients. Every day was new. Every day was challenging. On paper, that made a lot of sense for me. However, when it came to the experimentation process of it, I realized that wasn't the case. So whatever form you're seeking clarity in, we think it's important to distinguish the different sides. There is the thought side and then the experimentation side, and both are equally as powerful when applied with intention and action. Yeah, it's really well said, and I think that ties in with the sequence of our previous episode from last week that we talked about and we covered Emily Fletcher's book, Stress Less and Accomplish More. And in the book, she highlights the importance of developing and fine-tuning one's intuition. However, intuition is such a meta topic, and she also acknowledges that intuition can only be fine-tuned through many outlets, such as meditation, but also the experimentation aspect that you're talking about, Aiden. And although we are 26, 27-year-olds, and of course our intuition is still in the development, we've had enough jobs to help us craft that clarity that we're seeking, and we are able to seek out our clarity through our approach of asking these whys because we've had enough exposure in the job market that we were able to pivot a numerous times during our lifetime. We were able to implement that experimentation through different careers that we know it is important to align our intention with our action and vice versa, our action with our intention. Yeah, that's an awesome point. I'm really glad that you brought up the idea of alignment, Um, but I'd like to kind of dig a little deeper as to what alignment means to you and how that influenced or affected your job transition or decisions? So to me, I think alignment means first having a clear intention and a goal, because like we talked about in the past, if you don't know where you're aiming, how can you shoot that target, right? So you must know when you're aiming before you proceed with the actions. 
So alignment is having a clear, explicit goal or dream or intention that where you know where your path is going. And then you're preceding that intention and clear picture with clear steps of action and actionable items to help you to get there. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean by aligning what you do or what you want to do or what opportunities you're seeking with what you're looking for. Having a goal is important, but once you have a goal, if you don't have clear picture of what sort of actionable items you want to take to get there, it's going to create extra laps or extra prolonged period of delay in terms of your path or your pathway. And in Emily's book we covered last week, if you haven't listened, we encourage you to check it out. She talks about aligning your karma with dharma. And of course, karma in the Western society, we view that as force that's caused by your actions. So for example, if you're a good person, then you have good karma and vice versa. If you're a bad person, then there's going to be bad karma. However, Emily distinguishes that and she actually explains that karma in Hindu and the Eastern philosophy actually means actions. It simply means actions by what you do. And she talks about the importance with aligning your action, which is karma with your dharma. And dharma means designated pathway. So in that sense, I want to ensure, I want, I want to encourage everyone to ensure that what they're doing, their actions, is in alignment with their intention, with their dharma, because what you do on a micro basis is going to help you establish and help you achieve that, whatever your vision, whatever your dream, whatever your intention is on a macro aspect. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out that alignment almost works in synergies or like in several ways together. So when I think about alignment, a lot of times I'll think about the words of coherence and harmony as well. And basically that all things are aligned. So say you're going after that growth as kind of your top God value, as we talked about earlier. Alignment doesn't only have to do with your career moving towards that growth, but also your health moving towards growth, your relationships moving towards growth. So for me, alignment is making sure that your actions are following your intentions, but it's also your united actions kind of across the board in all aspects of your life. Your cohesive movement is towards that intention that you initially set. Yeah, and I think it is, I think to me, I view alignment as a united way or in like a circle, right? It's not a linear progression. It's not a vertical movement nor a lateral movement, but rather a cyclical cycle or a seasonal. You can view it as a soul feeding system or ecosystem, right? With the right approach of intention, it generates right actions, which lead into or feeding into your intention in the beginning, which helps you in line with your growth or your belief system or your judgment systems or whatever you align yourself with. So yeah, I think it is very important to have some sort of an ecosystem that's going to help you deliver and align your actions with your intention. I have another thought there, but I don't know how much further down the rabbit hole we want to go. Okay. Like the idea of you made the point that it is cyclical, but everything is cyclical in a way. And like the encouragement to look for the seasons or like the seasonal approach in different elements of your life. So when you feel motivated towards certain things to like move towards them specifically, call it like springtime in a specific area of your life, but note and not beat yourself up over putting something on the back burner. Cause you can't run full force at your career, your relationships, your health, your mental health, 
all at one time. I mean, they do support each other in ways, but to embrace the seasons of different elements of your life. And this season idea is something that I've really embraced kind of throughout my life and regardless of what specific circumstance or avenue it was in, but kind of recognizing that when you have that motivation for things to grow, really to lean into them and when you're just lacking the motivation, I mean, within bounds, still being able to generate motivation, work when you need to, but kind of honoring the cycles of when things are supposed to grow and when things are supposed to fade in respective times. So for me, this really comes full circle with our career conversation because I felt like it was the dead of winter in my previous job. It felt like every day was the same and there really wasn't a ton of growth. I felt like I really had a pretty good handle on what was coming my way and how to deal with the responsibilities at work. Um, And while there probably would have been a spring and a subsequent summer in some capacity at that work, I kind of realized that maybe it was time that spring was telling me to move into a different thing. I mean, cycles will definitely continue at my new career. There might be a stagnancy point, but really we want to encourage that there is always going to be a seasonal change of the bright times, the dark times. I know you know, collectively we're all dealing with a pretty dark time with this quarantine, but what I've been saying since the beginning of quarantine is this summer we're going to party like the Roaring Twenties. So whether that takes form or doesn't take form, depending on the health concerns and the quarantine procedures, remains to be seen. But I think inevitably whenever this pandemic ends, there's going to be a lighter scene on the other side where people value each other more, value each other's health more, and especially as this racial injustice comes to light, starts to value racial equality and really taking actions towards those things. Yeah, and I think as cheesy and as corny this may sound, we all heard the saying or the idiom of every good thing must come to an end. So I think with Aiden's metaphor of seasons, once you're able to establish your priorities, your intentions among those seasons, and or even deeper, if you are able to identify what particular season you're in, currently in life, relationship, or job, I think it's easier for you to come up with that intention of what the next season is going to be because that's one of the many steps to developing and finding and seeking that clarity. So Aiden, with that being said, you are able to acknowledge, recognize, and reconcile with the type of season you're in. And you talked about that you came to the end of the season of winter at your previous job, which motivated you to re-examine and reevaluate your belief system and your judgment system, which ultimately helped you to seek out this opportunity with this new job of yours. And you, of course, accepted that offer. So let's talk about our third and final why of why did you accept that offer? And could you walk us through some of the processes that you decided upon? For sure. Yeah. So this job actually came to me through a recruiter that I'd worked with for two years. Huge gratitude for her and kind of everything she helped me with this process because throughout the two years we've gotten to know each other pretty well and I think she really understood what I was looking for in a job. So when she brought me this opportunity, I think there was a trust between the two that she wasn't going to waste my time with some random opportunity and I trusted her that if she was presenting it to me it would be something worthwhile. So I basically reverse engineered the process that I had for deciding to leave my previous employer 
and using those four qualifiers, connections, autonomy, a just cause, and creativity to see what this new opportunity would look like. So I really examined both through research online as well as talking to people in related fields as to what this opportunity would really look like. And for me, it was really unique because while entrepreneurial on one hand, it's a very small team, I'm gonna be the second member of the finance team. It's also a publicly traded corporation, which means it's held to a higher standard. They need to go through SOX regulations and file 10Qs and 10Ks. And really that elevated level of work necessity and job responsibility is something that I found really unique. So kind of that blend of most times if you're working at a startup, it might be a little more just figure it out as you go. Maybe the procedures and responsibilities aren't as well ironed out or presented, but also having the influence of the publicly traded element of it and having to actually report to shareholders and hold ourselves to that higher standard. So that was one of the biggest blends of having that combination. And I think that reflects my two ideas of autonomy and creativity. Autonomy in the fact that it is a small company and I'm going to have a lot of sole responsibilities for myself to work through and also the creativity of being allowed to innovate at a small company and allowing my impact to spread throughout business around me. So after examining that startup publicly traded relationship um, that covered creativity and autonomy of my belief audit, I then moved on to connections and that really came down to the virtual interviews that I had with the range of management as well as other associates in the department that I'll be working in. So that was almost a no-brainer for me. All of my conversations went very smoothly, very interesting people. Everyone had really interesting perspectives and really seemed like they'd be awesome to work with. Um, I know my first phone interview that was supposed to be kind of a 20 to 30 minute touch base ended up being a two hour conversation while I drove down to DC and we touched on everything from, you know, values, family to travel and cuisine in Philadelphia. Just having that initial conversation or that initial spark is really like a great, great sign that carried through the rest of my interviews. And then finally, a just cause. And I think this was probably the most important to me, um, especially coming from a company that had such a tangible and important just cause of providing health care for the low-income area of Philadelphia. And this company's just cause is to use patient-driven lab data to monitor pharmaceutical intake and make sure that high-risk patients aren't taking too much. So for me, this is really important because I think America is way too overprescribed. I think it's a fundamental problem of our healthcare and pharmaceutical industry that every problem can be just fixed with a prescription. So for me, being able to give back to that kind of cause and fix a problem that I think is becoming more and more important as things progress. Yeah, very well said, Aiden. So my approach is definitely less meticulous and less structured than Aiden's approach because Aiden knows that this next opportunity with this pharmaceutical company, of course, he checked off all the four boxes in terms of aligning with his belief and judgment system. 
before me, I have a little more personal approach. So as we all know that my relationship with my girlfriend, Becky, is getting very serious. And we have come to a decision, a collective decision, that I will be moving with her and for her once she becomes matched for her residency. So that gives me approximately a year on my timeline in Philadelphia, assuming that her residency program is not in the city. So I knew that I still wanted to departure from my previous position because my job functionalities and what I was doing as a program manager were no longer in alignment with my intention and with my belief that I'm growing constantly. So although many people could argue that a year is a relatively short time, I also wanted to ensure that what I'm doing is going to feed off into my ecosystem and my seasonal approach. I think with my personality, with my growth mindset, I will be able to optimize and maximize my learning experience and my growth experience in any position. So for me personally, a timeline of one year may sound brief. I knew it would be adequate enough for me to grow in that field. And which is the reason why I've decided to venture out and to accept this offer because I am still working in the nonprofit area. And however, it is a larger NGO than my past company. And although I'm still working in a project slash program management capacity, it will be a scale up from my previous skill sets and my job functionalities and my responsibilities have been elevated and I will be doing a lot more encompassing duties. So that's the reason why I've accepted it because it has checked off and I've been aligning with my intention and everything I prioritize. And a year from that, I will be transitioning, of course, once again, in terms of career, in terms of my life, based on when my girlfriend gets masked at the time. But I think with that, of course, my story and my reason and my three whys share many similarities with Aiden's belief systems and Aiden's three whys. But in terms of the last specific why, our answers differentiate, but it is so important to have that clarity or have the intention to seek out the clarity because if you're unclear about what you want, your actions that are proceeding are also going to be invariably very unclear, which may be detrimental or prolong your process into whatever they may be. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Ben. Now that you have shared the process of why you've chose this new company, going through your whole process with alignment and obviously considering Becky's situation, now that you are at this new job, how do you feel that the onboarding process has been going? Because it would be challenging to adjust to this whole work from home environment, much less for a new company entirely. So what does your onboarding process look like? And what do you think that reveals about this whole work from home reality that we're starting to live in? Yeah, good question. So for me, my first day at this new job was on last Tuesday. And I went in, I did some paperwork in person. I met with my management team, my boss, some of my coworkers who are in the office who are deemed as essential. But most of my work will be categorized under the remote work nature. And I'll be doing a lot of my projects, a lot of my onboarding process from home. And Aiden and I, you and I, we have talked about this offline for a bit uh, this morning and this afternoon before we started recording that there is this interesting generational gap and this generational difference in perception of work from home, right? And for me, when I was speaking with my boss, my supervisor, who's a director and who's a manager of the whole workforce uh, division in my company, she was giving me indirect hints 
or she was giving me nudges of, oh, of course, with the condition, you don't have to come into work. And of course, your work nature will be categorized as work from home and remote work due to the quarantine and due to the stay home order. However, if you want or if you're okay with it, she was hinting me to come into the office to do some of the onboarding in person. Because I think many of my boss, at least, who's in her late 50s and early 60s, they have this similar and common mindset that, oh, if you're working from home, if you're working remotely, you're not really doing work. You're just jerking off or you're just doing whatever that is not in compliance with what you'd be doing eight hours a week in office. And that's interesting because many of the corporations, whether in private sector or public sector, we were forced as a collective to shift to the work from home nature because of the necessity of the condition of COVID-19. However, I think there is still the internal resistance among the leadership, among the executive team that's resisting the idea that you're not really working when you're working from home because that's too much autonomy. There's too much flexibility. However, if you look at enough empirical evidence, enough research, enough data, we don't want to go into the nitty gritties in this show, but many companies such as Twitter, such as Facebook, they have established indefinitely work from home capacities for many employees because they've realized that there is a certain level of efficiency and efficacy that come with working from home because you're able to cut out a lot of the BS, a lot of the filler process. So for me, I definitely felt some of the resistance from my boss, but I think that we're coming into a forced nature and condition as a cohesive environment because we have to work from home. So how can we adapt to that? And I think the ability to adapt on an organizational level or on an individual level for both of us really matters. And right now I can't really speak too much about the onboarding process because it's only been a week. And right now I'm just working on an individual project for my program. But it would be interesting to see how that work from home nature evolves or regresses in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about because the more I listen to you, it almost comes into two sides, right? And it's the internal motivation of wanting to get things done and holding yourself to a high standard of high level manner, but then also the external side of externally motivated and working just as much as your peers do or getting enough done just to get by or to like to blend in with the rest of the workforce. So I think that almost illustrates an interesting dynamic in the way that hiring might take place going forward of you would need to, at least in my view, as a company, you would have to hire people with a more internal motivation. I'm not sure how you would go about really gauging that, but to me, it seems like because there is that accessibility to just hang out and watch Netflix on your couch, you really need to inspect what's driving the specific employee and if they need to get the work that they need to get done complete in an efficient manner. I saw two statistics that I thought were really interesting from a Upwork survey and they reported that 56% of hiring managers think that it's gone better than expected and one third said that productivity has increased. So to me, that's like pretty profound in that most people say that it's not as bad as we thought it was. It's going better than expected because I know a lot of people had their own reservations, even to this point, still aren't loving it. But I think knowing that it's going better to expected at least gives an optimistic light for the immediate future. And then 
the similar survey said that 62% plan to offer more remote work going forward. So that is what you alluded to with Facebook and Twitter. For companies, it's super interesting because that allows them to save on not only leasing costs, but operational costs, having to have electricity or food or even notebooks and pencils within the office, much less the environmental impact of having their whole cohort of workers coming into work every day. So for me, I mean, maybe it's the young, youthful perspective that we still have in today's workplace, but it seems like a bit of a win-win. Sure, even if you have one day of FaceTime, I mean, imagine that you have one day where you get all your meetings done, do all your FaceTime, touch base with your boss, your other co-workers and the people that report to you. And then the rest of the week, you can kind of carry out the actual deliverables and the tangible projects that you need to deliver by a certain timeline. I mean, for me, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more easy to get productive in the zone. You have your own environment that you can cultivate. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, not necessarily in your specific situation, but more how this work from home could impact business going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So before that, I just want to acknowledge that I think one of the very few silver linings that came out of this quarantine is a forced perspective shift in terms of work from home nature. Of course, there are many different modalities and different sectors and different industries have different level of compatibility with the nature of work from home. And with some services like social service, maybe law, legal, medicine, those are definitely more compatible with in-person and of course working not from home, but with maybe software development, with finances, with some of the projects I'm working on, maybe they're compatible with work from home. But I think it is important to have this conversation because every modality has its flaws and only way for it to keep innovating is by experimentations. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think it is an interesting shift. And I think a metaphor comes into mind where previously before COVID, many of us were working in person to the typical nine to five, typical 40 hour structure in a corporate setting. And that means for someone who is more productive, there were less incentives for him or her to fulfill or fill in all the baskets, right? Maybe you have to fulfill the basket with 40 eggs. And someone who's more productive, maybe you have the capacity to put in 10, 12, 20 eggs into a basket on day one, and you'd be doing minimum work for the rest of the remaining days. However, many of us could testify that if that were the case, your boss or your upper management tend to give you more work. So many of us found out that the optimal way to fulfill the 40 eggs into a basket is just to distribute that equal into doing eight eggs a day for five days. However, I think this shift into work from home nature have empowered and enabled many of us who tend to be very productive to fulfill 20, 30 eggs into a basket on in two days. And because of the work from nature, it enables us to, to truly optimize and maximize our productivity and to utilize the remaining time into what we find flexible. Yeah, that's definitely something that I noticed in my last few weeks of my previous employer of that if I just put my face in the computer and went 110% at a specific deliverable for two hours, I could be finished my entire day's work by noon. I mean, that was considering a lot of positive circumstances of having clear communication and clear deadlines. But instead of that normal 
process when you're in the office of talking to an employee and then going out to lunch with a few people. Like there's just so many distractions or someone coming over to ask a question, which are a valuable part of the workplace, obviously that team dynamic. But in a sector like finance, if you have a specific deliverable with a specific timeline, if you put your head down and get it done as fast as you can, then you can, like you said, have that flexibility of work hard at one point and relax on the other side of it. However, I think this kind of dynamic also brings into a question of just equity across the board for A, myself, a 26-year-old male with having no people depending on me to my other coworker who has a family of three and has to prepare meals for their kids who are also at home. So I think there's a interesting equity shift of what's possible for me and what's possible for other people. And then even on top of that, the equity of different industries, similar to what you said, I know a lot of specific industries aren't able to work from home or aren't able to work in general right now, which is a tremendous problem, but also gives that perspective of the equity between the different jobs, which I think is equally valuable. Yeah, and I think even aside and to go a little bit deeper into this work from home nature, I think the conversation shouldn't stop just from, oh, which modality is more equitable or which modality is more effective? Is it work from home or is it work in the office? But rather, I think it is important to have a conversation, right? Because I think a certain level of flexibility is a necessity and is important and a crucial component for a person's morale in terms of team morale, a person's or employee's productivity level. It's not until recently that the corporations and organizations as a whole have started deploying and allowing maternal leave. If you look at the fulfillment and the satisfaction rate among employees of Trader Joe's or corporations or workforce in Europe, their employees tend to be extremely productive and satisfied and they have high loyalty and high retention rate and extremely high team morales because of the certain things that the companies are allowing for their employees because they're for the employees rather than simply being for the profits. And I think having this conversation is important because profit margin is important, maximizing profits is important for the business aspect, but in terms of the human aspect, what are you doing and what type of flexibility are you allowing for your employees? And through these conversations, in the past historical setting, we were able to come up with maternal leave for many companies or allow, of course, women to take the lead and take care of their babies and to allow them to have a life outside of the work. And some extremely advanced and forward-thinking industries are allowing paternal leave. And in many of corporations in Europe, they've allowed paternal leave for a long time. And that in the long term have turned out and proven have increased the productivity and loyalty and other aspects of the component for the employee's productivity rate. So I think it is important to have these conversations because innovations are important and conditions constitute those innovations. So I think that's probably one of the silver linings about this work from home nature or this COVID that the corporations and we are forced to have this conversation in a more macro and public manner. Definitely. And I think it's a conversation that's going to continue to evolve both with the macro of the world and just business landscape in general, but also the micro of us specifically. Like I alluded to earlier, you know, we don't have much of a necessity to stay at home or 
really need that much time to do anything. Like, I don't think it's that much of a big deal for us to go to work or to work from home. However, say 10 years from now with a family or with other responsibilities, there's inevitably going to be a big shift. So I think having that conversation over and over again and having that flexibility between the two opportunities is going to create a beneficial or even win-win scenario, right? Because you said there's the profit and the people. I think having this conversation benefits the people in that they can have the flexibility to work from home when they need or come in and have FaceTime and have their numerous monitors or whatever they may need at work. But then also from a profit standpoint, there's going to be so many cost savings across leases, fixed assets, any kind of food, electricity, utilities, just these savings are certainly significant. And that is even more interesting in how the companies are going to utilize these savings to either reinvest or use that money for a better purpose of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we both could agree on to the fact that this issue of for the profit or for the people does not necessarily have to be binary, right? Because if the companies were to take this lens of cyclical approach, where if you invest in your people, if you're for the people in nature, they're going to turn into for the profit. So I think by having this multidisciplinary and having this cyclical approach or lens into business, into profit, into the employees, I think it's going to be a major takeaway and a major key to maximizing whatever the company wants in the long term. Absolutely. And almost in either case, whether it's people, profit, work from home, work from the office, the thing that really comes to mind is trust between the employer and the employee because transparency is almost a necessity at that point. If employees can work from home at any point and the employer doesn't know if they're going to be watching Netflix or doing all sorts of things, but also the employee doesn't know how the employer is uh, leveraging their power or assigning responsibilities in a certain way. Really, it boils down to trust and transparency that both parties are on the same page and working for the common goal, whether that's the mission of the company, the profit of the shareholders, or just the benefit of the common good. They need to be on the same page and you know communicate those agendas and perspectives at all times. So with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We think that it's important, especially in a time like this, to consider every obstacle as an opportunity, whether that's the work from home situation that we're currently in or the inevitable return to normalcy and how challenging that adjustment may be. But we'd really like to encourage everyone to seek the lesson and the opportunity in whatever obstacle they're dealing with. So we hope you found this valuable. Uh, We'd love to hear what you thought of this conversational format, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.